Compliance Life details the journey to and in the role of a Chief Compliance Officer. How does one come to sit in the CCO chair? What are some of the skills a CCO needs to successfully navigate the compliance waters in any company? What are some of the top challenges CCOs have faced and how did they meet them? These questions and many others will be explored in this new podcast series. The Compliance Life is hosted by Tom Fox, and each month he'll present the story of one CCO through four episodes. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This is Tom Fox, and welcome to the December edition of The Compliance Life. In this month's edition, I visit with Kim Yapchai. Kim is the Chief Compliance and Chief Sustainability Officer at Teneco. She's had a very distinguished career in compliance, but it didn't uh, start out in compliance. We explore her undergraduate degree in economics and how that led to her going to law school, but becoming a business person with a law degree. We talk about her path to the CCO chair as an in-house counsel and what she learned as a business lawyer and was able to apply that in compliance in a preventative law perspective. We consider her roles at uh, Whirlpool and Teneco as chief compliance officers, some of the challenges she's faced, and some of the successes she's had at both corporations. We conclude with her new role, in addition to being chief compliance officer at Teneco, as the chief sustainability officer, and how that role helps her to uh, have a broader risk management portfolio and use risk in a strategic way, both from the compliance perspective and the sustainability perspective. It's a fascinating series of interviews over the month of December. I know you will enjoy them all. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back again with Kim Yapchai, the Chief Compliance and Sustainability Officer at Teneco for our final episode in this month's The Compliance Life. Kim, first of all, welcome back. Thanks, Tom. Good to be here. Kim, at the uh, end of the last episode, uh, we had uh, just uh, touched on your move to Teneco as a chief compliance officer. I was wondering if you could uh, talk about some of the challenges that uh, you saw and were able to uh, overcome uh, at uh, Teneco in your role as the chief compliance officer. Certainly. So Teneco had some similarities with Whirlpool, that uh, really strong foundational program right when I was joining and trying to again take it to the next level. In addition, we had a significant acquisition that doubled the size of the company uh, to uh, $17 billion. <clears throat> so while I thought I was going to a smaller company, I ended up at the same size as Whirlpool. But um, really one of the, the things that's been wonderful at Teneco is the C-suite support. And we've actually achieved probably in a little over two years um, what it took me four years to do at Whirlpool. The other thing that I really am intrigued with and want to explore with you is you also have the title of Chief Sustainability Officer at Teneco. Uh, you're the first CCO I've met who either went to that role or had that role added to the CCO role. And I was wondering if you could just explain to us what that is and how your experiences as not only an in-house counsel and CCO led to this new role and what it might mean going forward. Sure. So sustainability is a new area for me and I am certainly learning uh, and trying to just be a sponge nowadays. 
when I came to Tonico and I did my first assessment, um, the the CEO stated that he wanted to be part of, you know, consider applying for world's most ethical companies. So, you know, I took a look around, assessed the program, and I said, okay, well, no problem. I know what we need to build to get that. Uh, however, that's not our biggest gap. Our biggest gap is sustainability. We're a company that's over 100 years old and we've never published a sustainability report. And so then he asked me to do it. Uh, for our audience who does not know Tenneco, could you describe the business of Tenneco? Sure, we're an uh, automotive component manufacturer. And we obviously design and manufacture um, uh, parts that go in your cars, everything from your piston rings and champion spark plugs that you might have heard of to exhaust to shocks and struts. So over and, and beyond that. So a lot of pieces and parts in the car. So uh, I, I find the automotive industry's role in sustainability really as a leading role. And that comes from somebody who's practiced in Houston, Texas and energy all his life. But mm -hmm. I was wondering what are some of the sustainability uh, goals that you uh, have identified or are working towards for, for Tenneco? Yeah, so probably one of our most important ones is how our products perform. We actually have a business unit that's called Clean Air, and it makes the, it wraps um, the catalytic converters, right, and your exhaust system. There are also, um, obviously those things are cleaning the air, sometimes making the air that exits the car, you know, probably uh, uh, cleaner than when it entered the car. In addition, there are things that we can do in the engine itself to increase performance or change um, the heat and the things that are going out in the exhaust, which then affect emissions as well. So that's probably the, the number one part is how our, pro how our products perform. Uh, in a recent op-ed piece by the Houston Chronicle business writer, he talked about sustainability in the energy industry, but he had a really salient point, which was, uh, as important as tone at the top is when it comes to sustainability, it has to go far beyond there. You have to have buy-in all the way down. You have to have ops buy-in. You have to have BD buy-in. You have to have uh, the uh, in-house, uh, excuse me, the corporate office staff buy-in. And I thought mm -hmm. that was a really interesting. I was wondering if you could talk about that part of sustainability. Certainly, uh, I agree. Sustainability now, and you've heard it throughout the, the years, right? Corporate responsibility, sustainability, and now the, the more popular phrase is ESG, environmental, social, and governance. It's very comprehensive. It includes everything from the investor point of view to what's your board composition to the environmental impact of your operations, right? We talked about products as well. It is very holistic and it requires a lot of the same skills as, as we use in compliance. The, uh, uh, is this is been something that has been uh, embraced by the company and really see this as a way to not only continue their reputation of Tenneco, but take us or take us, take you guys into the 2030s and beyond? Absolutely. One of Tenneco's values is make tomorrow better. So sustainability is a perfect fit with that value. And we really see sustainability as operational excellence. Right. If you're using less fuel, 
and having less impact in your operations, you're operating more efficiently. And we also want to be a place where people want to invest their money and investors aren't looking at just your financial performance anymore. They want to know what's your brand getting back to reputation as we talked about before. And they also understand that, that companies who embrace this holistic manner, they perform better. Kim, do you see the chief sustainability officer role uh, as complementary to the CCO role or is something that five or 10 years from now, uh, there may not be a CCO, it may be sustainability or something uh, similar to that? Good question. I think it's hard to predict right now. Sustainability is very dynamic area that's continuing to evolve. So I think while there is a natural fit, they are both really big jobs and not possible to do without the cross-functional collaboration and team support that we talked about before. One of my observations about the coronavirus health crisis has been uh, the speed at which uh, ch change has come and things that may have been percolating around in 2017, 2018, 2019 are now moving at, at much greater speeds. Uh, and it uh, sounds like sustainability might be one of those uh, for Tenneco that it's really accelerated the process that you are going through. Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, I, I think it is a fair assessment. And I think COVID has given us a chance to really try to figure out how are things going to work in the future, right? We've broken the mold and you have to design differently. And we're taking the opportunity to do that. I was trying to articulate a question about the CCO role and chief sustainability officers. And what I was really trying to focus on is do those roles both involve the uh, assessment and management of strategic risk? And by having uh, both of those roles yourself, are you able to really kind of go back and forth and, and get a much more strategic vision of not only where the company's going, but how you can help manage risk that you see at this point? There is overlap, absolutely. You are looking at risk uh, from both perspectives. And I think that made it easier for me to step into this role than perhaps somebody who came from a different uh, uh, function. I really like the enterprise um, view, right? And frankly, the impact that you can have on the enterprise in both roles. You, you can really change how the company is viewed. And uh, maybe uh, to take that a step further, this this management of strategic risk, is that uh, where you see the CCO role going? I, I didn't mean to suggest that they would be subsumed, but it seems to me companies are really seeing a much broader vision now around strategic risk from a variety of angles, and that sometimes it's the chief compliance officer that's called upon to manage that, but at Tenneco, you have one person with two hats uh, doing that. Well, and, and actually internal audit plays a, a very big role in enterprise risk management at, at Tenneco as well. So I don't want to claim that I'm wearing the only hat here. And I think, again, it's that collaboration that makes it work. I think anybody who's trying to function as a silo, uh, you know, themselves in terms of risk management, again, it's way too hard. You need a team to be able to do this. And, and I think that's risk management is another area 
not only in my career that I've seen it evolve, right, to, to and how it's evaluated and assessed and, and how you build plans to address it, uh, I think it'll continue to evolve going forward. And in these these areas, internal audit, um, sustainability compliance are going to continue to have to Kim, unfortunately, we are near at, or rather at the end of our time for this episode. I really wanted to thank you for the series. It's been great. You've had a fascinating journey, uh, and I look forward to maybe calling upon you in the future uh, uh, again at some point. Thanks, Tom. And I hope if there's one thing that people learned is um, you get to define your program yourself. Don't feel constrained. Try new things. Uh, look to the future. Be dynamic and have fun along the way. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Compliance Life. This concludes our December series on The Compliance Life. I hope you'll join us again in January where I visit with Dan Chapman. Also, we have a new podcast on the Compliance Podcast Network, The Wirecard Saga, where I'm taking a deep dive weekly into Wirecard with Kyle Gordon Ryder of Affiliated Monitors. Finally, on 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program, this month's topic is training and communications. Check out all these podcasts on the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.